United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Hi. Hi. Um, first of all, I'm sorry if you hear my heater on in the background. I'm sorry because I'm not going to turn it off because it's fucking 15 degrees outside. So literally die. Um, but hey, what's up? My name's Noelle. And this morning I was making breakfast, being a fiscal woman of the future. And I had a microwavable steamer of country potatoes, peppers, and onions. Mm-hmm. So I put that in the microwave and then I, I put it in the microwave and then I finish it off in the um, air fryer so it's crispy. Put it in a bowl and I put like a little bit of mayonnaise and then a lot of hot sauce and I mix it up. Tell me why. I look down and I see a little black hair. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's mine. I go to grab it and pull it out from my potatoes. And it is like the handkerchief magic show trick. It does not stop coming. It is past the length of my arm. I'm not even fucking kidding you. And I have now pulled it for long enough that I feel it. It is coarse. It is thick. It is one single strand of hair that is so coarse and thick and long long and long and stringy kind of the texture longer than my arm it went probably past my elbow and for 0.5 seconds i did try to convince myself that it was mine and then it clearly wasn't and i was like that came from the factory bitch that came from the factory bitch that came from the factory bitch and um so not only was my stomach literally turning and i felt faint but guess what else Mm. what i only had like two more bites left oh man so what did i do do you eat it it. (laughs) what's up and i'm chelsea i'm the longest pubic hair that noel found in her food this morning that's just i would have no I would have just, uh, yeah, yeah, that sucks. No, um, trust me. I literally felt sick to my, but I was like, you've come this far, bitch. Might as well finish her up. Uh, I felt like I was on fear factor. I felt like cool Joe Rogan with a hairline still was like telling me like, yeah, no. um, and then I laid in bed and wanted to kill myself. <laughs> Uh, one time, if it makes you feel any better, you know, when you like bite your lip and you have like a canker sore and you just fuck with it. Mm-hmm. I had been fucking with like the inside of my lip. Cause it was so sore. And I was like, I feel like I have like the, lo- the biggest canker sore in my mouth. And I finally went <laughs> into the bathroom and pulled my lip down and it was a fucking ant biting me. Are you and I thought fucking I was just, with me? No, I thought I was just fucking with like a piece of like loose skin in my lip that I had bit and it was hurting and I couldn't like stop fucking with it. And I'm like, what does this caker look like? And I pulled it down. It was a fucking ant just going to town. And <laughs> first of all, so, between of your all. pubic hair oh. and the ant in my mouth, we are both disgusting. Oh, vile 
pieces of shit. Oh my. Okay. Um. So this was today for you? No, no, no. This is still when I lived in, in my with my parents. Oh my god! I literally was like, first of all, this happened today, and you didn't tell me. Second of all, <laughs> how is there an aunt in your house in the middle of fucking January? But no, that makes sense. That's no, also that's fucking crazy, though. I think it got in my mouth because I I sleep with my mouth open. I think it just crawled on in. Oh my god! And then I woke up and it latched on. I was like, "Huh? What is that? Huh?" Also, yeah. you just like licking it. You just like tonguing it, and the ant is probably fighting for its life. <laughs> you know, you know when you get like a canker sore, you get like a piece of like skin in your mouth because you bite yeah. your cheek too hard. That's what just that's all I thought it was. And I you could, were just tonguing a little ant. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, fucking shit. But I think I would have rather had the ant that I was a canker sore. Yeah, yeah. No, than the fucking (laughs) pubic hair in my food. I would rather. I would rather be like flirting. (laughs) I'd rather be tonguing up an ant, tonguing an ant. Yeah, than guzzling down, dude. No pubic food. I wish it was a fucking pube, dude. That came straight from her head, dude. Oh man, I don't know. I know that it did. I should have taken a picture of it. Honestly, I should have emailed the company, but I was like, whatever, we're in fear factor. I'm eating fucking bull testicles, whatever. Yeah. Dude. Uh, And I fucking love those. Those are my favorite little snack. It's low calorie. It's like only 120 calories for the fucking pack. And now I'm never going to have it ever fucking again. Yeah, you're gross. I'd still eat an ant if someone gave me the opportunity. Um, I'm not put off of ants. I am put yeah. off of canker sores. Yeah. You never know. Well, in this economy, bitch, two bites of potatoes, I'm not wasting it. You're right. Yeah. I'm not fucking wasting yeah. it. So, anyway. Anyway, I'm, it's actually literally the most disgusting thing I've ever done. Yeah, if that's I could go fucking back in time. Too. I want to do it. <laughs> it's fucking gross. <laughs> and now it lives in for, now it's like eternalized. Yeah, this yeah. very popular podcast that we put on. Well, you know, well, I think everyone should just know who they're dealing with, and that's me, yeah. baby. Yeah, you're just a plague rat. <laughs> you're a plague rat at this point. No wonder you're sick all the time. <laughs> God. I, I actually need you to do me a favor, and what? I need you to not think that this is a trick question. Oh, God. Okay. What year is it? 2024. Right. That's what most of us would say. Yeah. If... That's actually the correct answer here if you're a normal yeah. person. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. what if I were to tell you that there are bona fide historians who would tell you, me, and anyone else who shared the same answer with us of it being 2024, that not only are we completely wrong about the year, but we've also been lied to about roughly 300 years worth of history. Like, what would you say about that? Probably. I mean, this country is barely yeah, over a hundred and it lies about its history even though there yeah. were people who were like around for it and were like i was there and that didn't happen so yeah it's like of course someone would be lying to us about what fucking year it is yeah um and we're gonna dive into that exactly and um i would like to just give credit where credit is due to robbie mitchell's article on historicmysteries.com for giving us a massive chunk of the information so now that housekeeping is out of the way Let's dive into the historian who heads this mystery and introduce everyone to one Herbert Illig. Damn. Uh, a German historian with a knack for the extraordinary. 
someone who is more like a detective in the world of chronology, who challenges the fabric of very historical timelines. I appreciate this because we talked about it. I don't even remember how many weeks ago it was. Maybe it was yesterday where like we actually suck at keeping documentation and we like to just light shit on fire during times of tribulation within humanity. And so like, who's to say anyone even knows what the real date is. Yeah. It's the year. This is actually probably the first time in human history where we mentioned in a previous episode, which was King Arthur, that we should cover the phantom time hypothesis in the next episode. And we are. So it was, would you look at that? Look at that. Would you look Um, at it? So Elig is famous or very infamous uh, for the phantom time hypothesis, which is a theory straight out of a historical thriller. So picture this. Elig claims that roughly three centuries, specifically from 614 to 911 AD, were never lived. According to him, these years were simply conjured up and are a fabrication in the grand chronicles of history. And this isn't really just about tweaking dates. It's about erasing entire chapters of human existence. Um, And for those of you who are also public schooled, there's a lot of significant history that happened within the confines of those 300 years that we will cover right now. First, I don't know if I like this hypothesis. Why? Saying that it just never happened. Like, I believe that it happened. All these things probably happened, but we pro- it probably wasn't even 614 AD. It was probably 7000 AD. I don't fucking know, bitch. Well, we'll definitely get into that. Okay, okay, okay. So let's just cover what would what happened within these supposed 300 years that Illig claims didn't exist. First, we would have Europe veiled in the mysteries of the early Middle Ages. It'd be a time when the remnants of the Roman Empire would be just memories, and it would be a stage which is set for new powers to emerge. In the East, we would have the Byzantine Empire, the eastern half of the old Roman world, which is a beacon of art, culture, and power grappling with both internal strife and external threats, like the rise of Islam. And speaking of Islam, this is a very pivotal era era in their history, because you have the Prophet Muhammad's teachings in the early 7th century, which led to the rapid expansion of the Islamic Caliphate. And imagine vast deserts and ancient cities from the Arabian Peninsula to Spain, all united under a new faith and culture. This expansion brought about a seismic shift in power, culture, trade, which affected everything from the Mediterranean to the Indian subcontinent. Then, within these confines of history, there's the enthralling tale of Charlemagne, the Carolingian Empire. And Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, is really a figure larger than life. He unites much of the Western Europe um, under his rule. So think of grand palaces and the revival of learning and arts, a period termed as the Carolingian Renaissance, and his coronation as the Holy Roman Emperor on Christmas Day in the year 800 is a moment that echoes in the annals of history, symbolizing the fusion of Roman, Germanic, and Christian cultures. And in England, this is a period marked by the dramatic saga of Viking invasions. Longboats were filled with fierce Norse warriors raiding the coasts, monasteries, and even kingdoms. And the Viking Age was a mix of warfare, exploration, and settlement, leaving an indelible mark on the British Isles and beyond. See, this is where I'm out. You're telling me this guy believed that none of these things happened? Or that they didn't have... Well, 
Maybe. We have to get into it. Oh my, I can't fucking so, handle this. I wish that none of these things happened. Are you kidding me? Oh, the, no, the Viking the, age was sick. I mean, the Vikings, whatever. But like, I'm talking about in Europe, like the fusion of Roman, Germanic and Christian cultures with Charles the Great. Oh, oh, you mean when we became like the world's worst and most prolific, evil, demented colonizers? Yeah, I wish it didn't Maybe. fucking happen, <laughs> but it fucking did. Uh, well, you know, you can't have it both ways, Noel. Um, meanwhile, in the Far East, the Tang Dynasty in China was flourishing, and it was an era of exceptional art, poetry, and cultural exchange along the Silk Road. The Tang Dynasty is often seen as a golden era of Chinese civilization, known for its cosmopolitan culture and technological advancements. And let's not forget the mysterious world of the Mayans in Central America, with their stunning pyramids and advanced understanding of astron- astronomy. And from the sands of Arabia to the forest in Northern Europe, the period of 614 to 911 AD is a tapestry of human resilience, innovation, and the unending quest for power and knowledge. Each corner of the world was alive with stories that were just waiting to be explored, full of events and characters that shaped the world as we know it. Now imagine it was all made up. Um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> just pretend it didn't happen. We'll get okay. into it. I promise. We weren't going to jump ahead, though. But there's huge implications, obviously, that will happen if we wipe out just chunks of history. And it would alter literally everything we know. So let's look into what that means if none of this happened. First, let's just talk about the colossal void in the timeline. Erasing nearly three centuries means wiping out chapters of human achievement and struggle. The Byzantine Empire was a titan of art, culture, and military might, which would have a drastically different story. Without the challenges and triumphs of these years, the narrative of this empire, which stood as a bridge between the ancient and medieval world, would change fundamentally. And the Islamic expansion. Without this era, the monumental rise of Islam spreading from the Arabian Peninsula to create a vast and culturally culturally rich salafate, or caliphate might have been a tale untold. So this means that any implications of religious, cultural, and geopolitical landscapes wouldn't exist at this time. Um, that the world without the influence of the Islamic golden age, which brought huge advancements in science, mathematics, and f- philosophy would be unimaginable. Like we wouldn't be as advanced as we are today. Mm-hmm. And then there's the enig- enigma of Charlemagne. If he never existed, the face of Europe is unrecognizable because the unification of Western Europe under his rule, also known as the Carolingian Renaissance, really did rekindle the learning art the, of learning and art. Like it's a reason why like the Dark Ages existed because it was a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you come into him bringing in, um, you know, it, it would bring in the foundation of the Holy Roman Empire, but it also brought in all of the shit from the Roman Empire that we know, like the roads, the infrastructure, the learning, the acceptance of like yeah, allowing, a renaissance, yeah, a renaissance exactly. of art and culture. Yeah. And then without the Vikings, we don't get like Leif Erikson coming to America. We don't get any of um, the different wars between like the Viking raids and settlements. We wouldn't get any cultural exchange across Europe, there would be no history of that. 
And then without the Tang Dynasty in China, it would mean that we would lose um, the international trade because they had the Silk Road, which was the artistic and literary like kind of precipice that led into the next expansion within the world. No technological advancements would have any influence from outside cultures. And all of this would just be mere figments of our imagina- imagination. And lastly, we wouldn't get any of the civilizations, um, civilization expanse within the Mayan civilization. Um, we wouldn't get any of the pyramids in South America. We wouldn't have the knowledge of astronomy that we would. Um, again, this would all just be lost to a grand historical void. So in a world where these three centuries are a blank slate, the cultural, religious, and political landscapes that we know would be unrecognizably different. Yeah. And it's a thought experiment that not only challenges our understanding of history, but also underscores the interconnectedness of human events and achievements. The mere idea that such a vast period being a historical mirage is enough to make anyone's imagination run wild, pondering the intricate tapestry of history and our place within it. It's not making my imagination run wild. It's making my imagination go, that's literally impossible. That's is it? literally impossible. It might not be. Because the phantom time theory isn't just a footnote of historical discourse. Really, it's a radical rethinking that challenges the bedrock of recorded history. So it isn't just something that we can claim all willy-nilly like a bunch of lunatics. We have to back this shit up. So don't worry, Noel. We are going to get into it. Okay. Here we Um, go. So let's look at some of the most fascinating and interesting evidence for the concept of this phantom time theory. So the main argument hinges on something that's as intriguing as it is contentious, and that is the scarcity of solid archaeological evidence from these so-called missing ears. Essentially, they ask us to imagine a world where, despite the significance of this period in time, the physical traces, aka buildings, artifacts, and everyday items that you would expect to litter the landscape of history are curiously sparse. Um, Illig and his colleagues dive into the intricacies of historical records and scrutinize the timelines and point out such oddities. They question the authenticity of certain documents and the dating methods used by historians. And it's like they're detective historians searching for clues in a vast like historical crime where time itself seems to have been stolen. And that is a good point. There are things called beaker cups which exist within like anthropology the anthropological world which are kind of like dixie cups from the water cooler Mm -hmm. these are scattered across europe they um are all the way like found all the way in the silk road which does show like movement within that era but you have these fucking cups that are trash found all over europe but we don't have a lot of evidence when it comes to buildings, artifacts, or any of these technological advancements. They're always alluded to. But the lack of proof is what Elite points to of like, if they're like the, like, where's the pudding? You know what I mean? Maybe they were just building things out of shitty material. Just like now when the sun flare inevitably takes out the internet and humanity crashes, modern day humanity fails all of our modern cities, which are, I'm assuming, made out of wood pulp and spit, will disintegrate and you will see nothing. That could be a good point. 
if it wasn't also wrapped up within a chunk of the Roman Empire, because we have so much Roman art and architecture that has survived within Rome to this day, where people, shitty people who exist within this timeline, walk over it every day. So if that can exist in that capacity, why can't we find a crumb of it in areas where it supposedly flourished? We were in our cheap era. Maybe. Maybe. That's just like some of the theory as to like, where the fuck does it go? They also dive into astronomical records, and they challenge the accuracy of historical eclipses and other celestial events documented in those years. So, while observing many ancient observations that we assume that they're remarkably precise, right? Like, when I hear about ancient civilizations creating Stonehenge out of the stars, I'm like, yeah, they probably have it down to, like, a millionth of a percent to accuracy. Mm -hmm. But... There are instances where discrepancies arise, which kind of turns our gaze towards the intriguing complexities of historical astronomy and using that as proof. Um, So, for example, one of the most fascinating aspects is how ancient civilizations from the Babylonians to the Chinese meticulously recorded celestial events like solar and lunar eclipses, comets and planetary movements and these records are used as ancient logs chronicling the heavens above but sometimes when we cross cross reference these records with modern astronomical calculations we find mismatches yeah no shit these motherfuckers didn't know what they were doing but they did that's the thing like we look at the fucking pythagorean theorem the fact that ancient greeks could calculate the radius of the earth by like looking at the stars and then we find we like tend to think that that's the end all be all right like we think it's like very accurate the things that they did but when we look at some of like the recording of just natural observances it's not accurate math solid observations inaccurate which seems kind of like a conundrum right the guy who's like fucking illiterate who's like you Mm -hmm. write it down your job is to write it down he's not doing the math he's just the writing it down guy he can't read but a lot of this is used as astronomical history but when you look at history and you find inaccuracies you have to say is this history accurate it's just or were these people illiterate who knows they probably actually were um But for instances, there have been solar eclipses which have been historically recorded as visible in regions where modern calculations suggest that they would not have been seen. Or the timing of certain eclipses noted in ancient texts does not line up with the dates we would calculate today. It's like finding a puzzle piece that doesn't quite fit. Like, we got to find somewhere for it to go and it doesn't go here. And these discrepancies can arise from several factors. One possibility is to change in Earth's rotational speed over a millennia, which can slightly skew the timing of eclipses. Um, Then there's the challenge of translating ancient texts and interpreting the exact locations and times that they describe. Um, Essentially, it's like decoding a message written in a language that's been lost to time, trying to use that to describe an event in the sky thousands of years ago. Yeah, we don't have a Rosetta Stone for everyone. No, we don't. We kind of do for like ancient English, but I digress. <laughs> I mean, but, but did they even really know what they were saying and yeah, doing no. and are writing? So, and something that you brought up too, which can be used to either prove or disprove the theory, is that there's always going to be the human factor. Mm-hmm. Historical observations made with the naked eye and recorded by hand are 100% going to leave room for errors and subjective interpretations. 
it's like trying to capture a fleeting moment through the lens of different perspectives. And our perspectives are flawed. Mm -hmm. But when you think about all this stuff from the idea that we humans are pretty bad at keeping history, the missing years, the idea that um, there's so many discrepancies that we can't cross-reference any astronomical history and find 100% correctness, um, the fact that we've burned records, it mm-hmm. kind of starts to add up. Like, it can't just be a minor footnote anymore. You have to give it some credence, and it has to open the doors to a world of historical detective work. We can't just take everything as fact. So astronomers and historians do collaborate. collaborate. They use celestial events as benchmarks to test the accuracy of historical timelines. And it's kind of like cosmic clues in the vast detective story of our past. So when we talk about the accuracy of historical records of celestial events, we're diving into a very deep realm that intertwines with astronomy, history, and the intriguing imperfections of human observation. And at the very heart of the phantom time theory, there's the contention that lies in the transition from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. Um, Again, for those of us who were public schooled, in 1582, Pope Gregory XIII introduced the Gregorian calendar, which is what we use today. And they used it to correct the so-called drift in the Julian calendar, which was established by Julius Caesar in 45 BC. The Julian calendar had a slight miscalculation to the length of the year, which did cause a drift over centuries. It just See, compounded this, and got bigger. This, this you buy. This is a, I buy. Obviously, this makes sense. Like this, this, this chunk here is not a conspiracy. That's yeah. literally why we have the Gregorian calendar. But I feel like this, to me, this is probably where we lost more time than we actually realize. Sure. I don't think that there was just a subtle drift. I think there was probably a big drift. And it probably because the information that Julius Caesar was using as benchmarkers obviously was being proved as incorrect with miscalculations. But I also think that he was just starting on the wrong date. Yeah. And that's why they killed his ass. Yeah. Um, And here's where it gets like pretty interesting. When the Gregorian calendar was adopted, a 13-day discrepancy was corrected to realign the calendar with the solar year. However, Elig and his supporters argue that if nearly 300 years were fabricated, the drift by 1582 should have been much larger, larger than a mere 13 days under conventional chronology. So they're just arguing like that's not fucking enough. Mm-hmm. Um they suggest that the true discrepancy between the Julian and Gregorian calendars, if those 300 years did exist, would require a larger adjustment. So to them, the fact that only 13 days were corrected suggests a much shorter passage of time. So if you remove the 300 years from the timeline, then the calendar correction makes sense. They do align more closely with the astronomical and historical evidence as okay. they interpret it. This, see, now you're getting me back again. So I, it's almost like be. I feel like this German, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name. I don't even know. Um, it almost feels like a passive aggressive argument. Like, well, if it was only a 13 day adjustment, then the 300 years must have not existed. It would have been impossible possible for it to exist even though like to me i'm like no they for sure existed we just like literally julius caesar was our guy 
Julius Caesar was our guy on the ground, boots on the ground with a calculator or an abacus, figuring the shit out, looking at the sky. And he's the one who set us on the path. And then some other fucking goddamn idiot from the church, from the Catholic church was like, I've got another one. And it's only a 13 day difference. This is the blind leading the blind dude that no fucking wonder. I like, I hate the idea of like the 300 years didn't exist because like, I feel like there's so much, even if not a lot of tangible history, there's so much written history and literature that happened. But I do agree that it was probably way more than a 13 day adjustment needed to happen between like, Julius Caesar's bad fucking math and shit drawings to the fuck ass Catholic Church doing it. I'm gonna remember you said that. Okay. I'm gonna remember you said all of that. Cause I think we could probably sway you, if not halfway, that it was probably more than 13 days to yeah. yeah. Maybe we did fucking fabricate it. I think I can sway you. Maybe by the end of the episode. Okay. We'll see. So before we get there and put a bow on it. The aspect of this theory really delves into how we perceive and interpret the past, particularly on the reliance of written sources versus physical evidence in medieval history. Yes. Proponents of theories like Elig's argue that medieval historians might have leaned too heavily on written documents, which could be more prone to inaccuracies, exaggerations, or even fabrications, rather than on tangible physical evidence. Now, while this may seem like a reasonable thing to prove what happened in our past, then why, it begs the question, are more fantastical writings disregarded? For example, Columbus mentioned seeing mermaids. A lot of people disregard that. King Arthur has been mentioned in the historical record hundreds of times, along things with dragons, magic, mythical realms. Yet, for some reason, we decide to pick and choose what to hang our hat on when it comes to quote-unquote real history. Much of the same thing could have happened with our predecessors, right? Mm -hmm. So, one of the intriguing points that they've raised is the presence of Romanesque architecture in 10th century Western Europe. This style, characterized by its semi-circular arches, sturdy pillars, and large towers, is very reminiscent of Roman architecture. But the proponents of this theory find it curious that supposedly centuries after the fall of the Roman Empire... This architectural style emerged so closely that it mirrored that of ancient Rome. Weird timeline there. Mm -hmm. And their argument also goes like this. If the Roman era was as distant as traditionally believed, why would architecture in the 10th century then so closely resemble it? They suggest that this architectural similarity indicates that the Roman era might have been more recent than what we would commonly accept. And in their view, if several hundred years of history were fabricated, then the timeline would shift, making the Roman era much closer to the 10th century than we recently, than we actually believe. So this aspect of the theory does open up a whole new dimension of historical puzzles. If the phantom uh, time hypothesis is to hold water, it implies a lot of these are a lot of things that people might have a harder time swallowing, which would be that modern dating methods like radiometry, which is radiocarbon dating, and <laughs> dendrochronology, which is tree ring dating, mm. are either inaccurate or their results are being manipulated. And for some criticizing science in this way, it is going too far. Um, which, you know what, I'm, we're not here to shit on science. We love science. Yeah. So, E-League is not the bad guy here, though. Um, anyone who might 
buy into the timeline being wrong is not the bad guy. Because while it is tempting to dismiss a phantom time hypothesis as a mere conspiracy theory, you understanding the motives of Elig and his supporters does paint a more complex picture. Elig's approach, rooted in skepticism and a desire to uncover hidden truths, aligns with the fundamental principles of historical research, which is questioning, probing, challenging, and questioning these established narratives. His skepticism about the accuracy of historical records is a trait that is shared by good historians. And the pursuit of history is not about accepting the past at face value, but about peeling back layers, scrutinizing sources, and constantly reevaluating our understanding. But are those good historians in the same boat as me? Where it's like, yeah, there probably was a bigger drift that we should have recorrected for. But those years did actually happen. No. Because anytime you bring up the phantom time hypothesis, it's very similar to someone who's going to say that they were abducted by aliens. They are immediately written off. Like, this is a very um, taboo topic within the historical community where people shut it down so fast that anytime you even question the timeline, you're immediately categorized as being a conspiracy theorist, which is a career killer. So people Mm -hmm. don't question it. Um, so him just saying like, something's fucking wrong. We need to dive into the history of the historical records. He is very dismissed. Um, so you can't really find much without this, without it being slapped with like conspiracy, 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 the same way you can't dive into interdimensional travel because anybody who's been abducted by aliens is labeled as being schizophrenic, crazy drug Mm -hmm. addict. Yeah. You know, yeah. looking for a hand up, anything like that. So essentially the message here is that we cannot take historical records as they are. We have to ask questions and not have our careers be destroyed by asking them. So Noah, I will ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And I think that you are also interested in the answer is who would fabricate this fucking information? Who would fabricate these years and who would benefit? Who? Um, I mean, if we're to like say that a group of world leaders like got around in a circle and was like, okay, everyone gets to creative write what they want history to be told for them. I mean, I guess. Hellsgate is a supernatural roller derby comic book series dripping of blood, demons, and glitter. Saya is a fresh meat skater with a dangerous crush on her favorite derby player. Desperate to be accepted, she attempts to cast a magic spell in hopes of winning her idol's admiration, but instead unleashes a demonic possession that seeks to destroy her and her team at that night's Halloween game. The first issue is out now. Visit hellskate.com to get your limited edition copy today. Or... Or why not enter powerful men, maybe a little fucking religion and people just wanting to be more important than they are. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what we always say, right? The victors are the ones who tell the history. That's the fucking T because the figures at the center of this grand historical manip- manipulation are Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, mm-hmm. Pope Sylvester II, and Byzantine Emperor Constantine the Seventh. The political landscape of the early Middle Ages was shitty. 
The consolidation of power was complex and often a very perilous endeavor. And against this backdrop, there was the fabrication of a historical period that could be seen as a masterstroke in statecraft and religious authority. So here's why they would do it. In a time where lineage and tradition held immense sway over the legitimacy of rulers, remember we talked about it in the King Arthur thing where people literally tied themselves to Arthur to have claimed to the throne and it fucking worked. Mm-hmm. Creating fabricated history served as a very powerful political tool. Imagine a scenario where these leaders seeking to cement their authority could weave a narrative of historical continuity and grandeur. By inserting fictitious events, figures, and entire dynasties into the annals of history, they could then create an illusion of an ancient and venerable lineage, thus enhancing their legitimacy and their God-given divine right to rule. And this kind of historical engineering serves multiple purposes for men like them. It would provide a sense of continuity and stability and crucial elements for maintaining power in an era of frequent upheavals is all about legitimizing your God-given right to something. Mm -hmm. By portraying themselves as heirs to a long and illustrious history, these rulers could invoke a sense of destiny and mm-hmm. inevitability about their reigns and quell any dissent and rallying support amongst their subjects. We just did it and bought it hook, line, and sinker on the last episode where a guy was able to get an entire fucking castle because he said he was related to King Arthur. Yeah. And that is not a conspiracy theory. That fucking happened in history. So is that really so hard to buy? Then when we see other men trying to do it with other empires where they're like yeah i'm absolutely a descendant of this roman emperor queen yeah this absolutely like i absolutely have a claim to this like cool fucking thing that happened at the time or hey you know what i happen to know like this islamic rise is coming maybe you should give me more money so that i can reach further with their crusades and get more money or find like the chalice of christ it doesn't become so crazy once you see that there is actual payoff happening for people who are doing the same thing i mean the part of me that wants to be like it doesn't matter how like rich and powerful you are there will always be like the keepers of history. Like Mm -hmm. there will always be word of mouth passing through time between people about what's going on. But I don't know. I guess if I was just suspend my disbelief and like really lean into the fact of like the, there was such a distinct difference between like, it was you were either aristocratic ruling class or you were impoverished and dying. There was no middle ground. And so I guess if like every single day you're just trying to survive, you're not really focusing on um, being like a timekeeper through oral history. Well, who kept the time in these times? Well, I mean, the aristocracy. You, I mean, yeah, church. but you would still think that like there's still like. Just like how family traditions are passed down through, sure. like, you know, word of mouth. Even to say if you come from a family that was completely um, illiterate, you would still be passed down tradition, recipe, lore, um, verbally. And so you'd think that, like, there would also be stories recounting, like, the true histories through that same means. But I guess if you were 
not really focused on that being of importance because you were just trying to survive or whatever, then I can see, I guess I could see how an, an aristocrat society could rewrite history because there's no one there to challenge them. Sure. And let's even dive into the context of religious authority. Fabricating a period of history could be used to align with prophetic or religiously significant dates, mm-hmm. which would further intertwine with the ruler's legitimacy with divine will. And it's a strategy that would resonate deeply in a time when the church wielded enormous influence over both the spiritual and temporal realms. This was a time where people would be like, if a miracle is going to happen, let's say that it happened, legitimize our claim and go fucking steal more shit from other people and not be challenged on it. Like we could absolutely do that. Oh, like we can say that a comic a comet came across a str- sky and turned the sky green. And, the, and that means that you are allowed to go and invade this land and pillage and rape. And you're okay, but bring us back any religious tokens and icons that you have. And we'll just call it square at the end of the day. Hmm. I could buy that. I could yeah. buy like 100% that there was self-fulfilling means within history. Yeah, for sure. And I will agree that the orchestration of such deception is monumental. Um, It would require manipulation of records, artifacts, perhaps even a collective memory of societies. Um, And it would be a testament to the power of narrative and shaping our understanding of the world and the lengths to which leaders might go to secure their power and legacy. Um, So it does buy the Emperor Otto III, Pope Sylvester II, and Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII did orchestrate grand historical deception um but if you think about what men in power will do to legitimize their rule as being divinely ordained mm-hmm. that's not really fucking that's like something that we're still seeing nowadays right yeah yeah where people intertwine religious prophecy and doctrine into their political agenda mm-hmm. it's not only a strategic move to strengthen the influence of the church and the state but it also reinforces authority through a shared religious history that resonates deeply with the populace. Oh my God, history's fucking repeating itself. So the creation of fabricated his- historical periods could be used to mark or celebrate religiously significant events, and it embeds rulers and their reigns within a sacred timeline. It amplifies the perception of divine favor and endorsement, which is a crucial element in any time frame to maintain power and influence in a deeply religious society. But even beyond the realm of religion, the impact on cultural identity and pride is equally significant. Because history is a tapestry that informs a community's sense of self, its values, and its place in the world. So by inventing or exaggerating historical achievements, rulers could have aimed to create a sense of grandeur and legacy for their realms. The fabrication would not only serve to glorify their reigns, but also foster a collective sense of purpose and pride amongst their subjects. And it's a way of weaving a narrative that unites a society, giving people a shared history to celebrate and aspire to. So like the bombing of Nagasaki, terrible. Mm-hmm. So let's teach children that we ended the war instead. Let's talk about the atrocities of the Holocaust and how America came in and fucking saved the day. Let's yeah. create comic books where the Nazis are cats and the Americans are dogs and we come in and they're just fucking scared of us because we're goddamn red-blooded Americans. Then it becomes a little bit more like, oh, we've seen history be rewritten just for ethnocentrism. Mm-hmm. 
And we've yeah. bought it hook, line, and sinker until we go out and are informed otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So. Yeah. Inventing historical events or achievements could also be a way to inspire, motivate, or even create a narrative of greatness. It's akin to grafting a story that becomes part of a cultural psyche, which shapes the community's aspirations of self-image, which, Noel, as you said so fucking perfectly, history is written by the victors. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> as I choke and die, mm-hmm. it's... This is interesting. This is this is a little interesting. Um, because hmm. we have a real life example if we're to buy all of the propaganda coming out of North Korea that there's like a current society and dictatorship that is constantly making up history to give mm-hmm. itself um an exaggerated achievements and whatever. And then we also have like, you know, as you mentioned briefly, like our understanding of the Americans' participation in World War II, we really think that we went in there and uh, won it. We end like, but it had nothing to do with us, you know? Yeah. What's the saying? Like, the war was won by Soviet blood. Yeah. <clears throat> so, hmm. Hmm. I'm still choking it's- and dying. <laughs> It is very interesting. Um, There's a lot of people where, like, the second you bring up phantom time hypothesis, it is like saying the flat fucking earth in historical, like, or in, like, the historical scene. You know what I mean? Well, I also feel like one of the few times I learned about international history was learning about, like, China's impact on the global economy with the Silk Road. And to think Mm -hmm. that, like, that was tied into this, like, timeline that was made up. Crazy. Crazy. Right? Yeah. And it's not, he's not necessarily saying like nothing happened. It's just those 300 years, we're probably closer to the year 1700. Yeah. Than we would like to think because they really padded their fucking um, CVs with accomplishments or divine intervention that let them legitimize their rule and their claim to the throne or any claim to power. Yeah. And that I would buy into. Yeah. I mean, we even talk about how, like, when we say things out loud and look at them on paper, historically, it's, it blows your mind to think like these two things were living simultaneously on the same timeline. Like Mm -hmm. we were talking about made up ones because I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, but like, you know, that, pharaohs were still around when we were inventing the telegraph or what the fuck up you know what i mean like whatever the bullshit is but yeah so hmm interesting 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 okay i don't i don't know how to feel about it this one's a hard one it's a little bit harder um because there's much bigger implications of buying into it um i think that this is one of those ones where it can be I, this one at the end of the day does not lead to anti-Semitism. So this one's okay to think about and to explore yeah. and to dive into yeah, and maybe yeah. give some credibility to without falling into anti-Semitism is what yeah. I shall say. Yeah. Um, so even if you don't know how to feel about it, um, at the end of the day, is it relatively harmless? 
Yes. So, um, I guess I'm just kind of like blown away because I very much believe that we actually are not in the year 2024 and that we fucked up somewhere because it was some illiterate weirdo who ate mercury for breakfast being a timekeeper. I didn't expect this to be it. This is very, um, there's so many things saying that we have fucked up the timeline and it's almost like the Loki series where we keep someone keeps trying to fix it or we fuck something up. And that's why all this bad stuff keeps happening because the universe is trying to reset itself. It's why we're seeing so many more UFOs because we are thinning the dimensions that are keeping us separate in the space time continuum. Um, It all ties into like the Hadron Collider, Project Harp, all this stuff at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like we've, fundamentally screwed up our reality and that's why we are suffering and yeah. we probably fucked it up in 2012 honestly probably dog probably hmm. that's like the main theory we fucked it up in 2012 yeah i think everyone kind of believes that in yeah. in a way in a way whether it's um with humor or they truly believe it but hmm i'll have to chew on this one a little bit more but yeah huh. uh, i'd say i will say that like not it not leading to anti-semitism makes it more fun so enjoy it enjoy it at will this one isn't one where i'm gonna be like um i think it's fun yeah i don't think that this one has no implications if you believe in it other than the years probably 1700 but because we have no power in changing the status quo it's still 2024 yeah whatever and if these things didn't happen then the idea of an entire society believing they are real makes it happen in the way that a tulpa would so yeah whatever. yeah at the end of the true. day there's nothing lost nothing gained i guess yeah. you could say yeah that's fair huh well fun isn't that fun it is fun it is fun i like that hmm. yeah, so that's that is the phantom time hypothesis I'm probably a, a light version of this. I believe in some of it, but not all of it. So, yeah, that's fine. But fun, hell yeah! Yeah. Well, speaking of fun, you could have fun by clicking the link in any of our bios. We are at Go to Hell Podcast. I am at Noelle Fane. That is at Sith Lard. And in that link in our bios, it's something called a link tree, and you can click into all the shit in there. You can click into our merch page 100 of proceeds are donated we do have some stuff cooking we've got some stuff cooking right now on the merch page um but i think we'll wait to like talk about it and release it when we have like everything written down and approved about what we can say um mm-hmm. and where we can direct you to but it's super cool i'm very excited about it but we also have cool merch in there already and yeah 100 of the proceeds are donated we also have a link to our patreon a dollar gets you in um I think we had a fun little episode this week on Patreon. I think it was fun. I think uh, I think it will be what people maybe don't expect. Yeah, I agree. Um, so excited to hear and see what everyone has to say about that. Um, we also have a link to Kelly Holloran or at Wildwood Owl on Etsy. She makes cool shit for us and she makes cool shit in general. So go check her out. We have a link to and our Discord server. Buy it oh, from Kelly because an artist on Redbubble ripped off all of her stuff. So, are you fucking lying? No. <gasps> so buy it from Kelly 
directly Wild Wood Owl. She's not on Redbubble. If you see her shit on Redbubble, it's not. Oh. Will you send me that? I want to look at it. Can we report it? What do we do? It's been reported. It was on uh, Kelly's Instagram stories. So you have to go to her. It's probably gone by now, but I'm sure Kelly will send you the receipts. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, anyway, let's also find that person and dox them. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we also have a, yeah, please buy from Kelly, not fucking scammers. Um, we also have a link to our Discord server. And I don't know why you'd need it, but links to listen to us, which is anywhere podcasts are heard. And this is the thing. If you listen to Patreon, you know the conundrum I'm currently faced with. But based off of the heavy-handed the heavy-handedness and the tight grip that I've been feeling around my throat by fucking religion the last seven days i feel like i have to bring it back and say it even though it literally like cringes me out even though it's like oh my god what am i doing here what am i doing here am i fucking going to hot topic what am i doing like it it's so rough but i feel like i have to say it i feel like i have to exercise these religious demons out of my body because i just fucking can't so that's why this week you'll get you'll get a little bit you'll get a little tiny bit of my one and only honestly the one who deserves it the most the one who i know and feel that i don't have to wear across my chest because i just am and they are and it is a part of me but i'll do it anyway for the sake of it so i'll go go ahead and give a hard healthy hail satan uh i will say a glitter wherever she may be Mm -hmm. oh she's fucking hoeing it up in the other side like god intended yeah amen to that if you have um no matter what you identify as if you have some booty shorts that get those cheeks out i highly recommend you bust them out and wear them whether in public or in the privacy of your own home in memory of glitter yes glitter one of my best friends ever uh fucking wore the shortest booty shorts on a cruise to Alaska and if that's all you need to know about her that's fine but she was a beautiful soul inside and out we're going to be doing a fundraiser for her uh, so keep an eye out for that and yeah hell fucking glitter yeah hell glitter let's get the fuck oh. out of here bye bye